The St Albans Film Guide with Simon Carver, hosted by Danny Smith. Welcome along to another edition of the St Albans Film Guide. Simon Carver's here with us. Hello, Simon. Hello there. Hi. And what we do is we look at uh, the uh, Simon's Choice of Films on Free to Air TV for the forthcoming week. And uh, for now, we're looking at some of mine as well. Uh, but we start things off looking at the streaming services, uh, Netflix and Amazon Prime. And uh, just for this week, so we, we cover the week from the, uh, the 5th to the 11th of February, so Friday through to Thursday. And there's just one new release on Netflix that we're going to talk about this week. Is that right? That is indeed the case. Um, Netflix and Universal Pictures are proud to present, you can tell I'm reading this, Tom Hanks starring in News of the World, um, a moving story written and directed by Paul Greengrass, who is known for um, things like... Uh, Heartbeats, uh, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that, that was was he green? Yeah, he was Greengrass, wasn't he? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah I was probably more thinking of the Bourne films and um, also... Uh, yeah, what's the other thing he, he did? Oh, United 93? United 93, that was it. The one about the, the plane that crashed in Pennsylvania. Um, yeah, so this is... Um, uh, they, yeah, and they also did Captain Phillips as well, uh, which won a Best Picture nom- nomination. This is set in the 19th century, uh, five years after the end of the Civil War, so we're talking... What was it, 1870? Um, Captain Jefferson Kyle Kidd played by Tom Hanks, is a veteran of three wars, and he now moves from town to town as a non-fiction storyteller, sharing the news of presidents and queens, glorious feuds, devastating catastrophes, and gripping adventures from the far reaches of the globe. In the plains of Texas, he crosses paths with Joanna, a ten-year-old taken in by the Kiowa people six years earlier and raised as one of their own. She is hostile to a world that she never experienced uh, and is being returned to her biological aunt and uncle against her will. Um, Tom Hanks' character agrees to deliver the child where the law says that she belongs. And as they travel hundreds of miles into the unforgiving wilderness, the two will face tremendous challenges of both human and natural forces as they search for a place that either can call home. Mm. So, there we are. So that's a proper film that's coming out on Netflix. So I think I mean, we, we've mentioned this before, but it, but um, th- so this was a film that actually was made last year, and and I guess with so many other films that were due to be released cinematically, they've had to find new homes for releasing them because I guess film companies will, will go under if they've got all these very expensive films sat on a shelf that they can't make any money out of, uh, and and so but I think that's where because you know some of the big studios like Universal Pictures have have done uh, deals with streaming companies where they are releasing their cinematic films or and i believe in america where some cinemas are more open than over here um they are doing simultaneous releases so it comes out in the cinema the same day it comes out on a streaming service and uh and it's been apparently somewhat controversial that this this policy um cinema cinemas are not happy about it but what can you do so um yeah this is so undoubtedly this didn't have netflix's name anywhere near it until until well after it was all made and put on a shelf and ready to go and then suddenly it's it's a, it's being presented as a as a co-production yeah presumably it was made uh, the in 2019 i would imagine um or or even earlier i can't imagine it was made last year i mean that's the thing it's going to be a, a sort of a a, a a hiatus sometime in the future unless they got making films in the summer last year when the restrictions were eased off 
Well, th- um, you say that, but I mean, they're currently filming a Mission Impossible film over at Leavesden. And, you know, we're in lockdown at the moment, but Tom Cruise is over there with a film crew and they're making stuff. That That's true. Be- and he's having a real go at people if they're not keeping, <laughs> oh, yeah. well, keeping I hear the rules. From, I could hear it from here. I live mm. in City Hospital. I could hear him bellowing. Um, but yeah, it's because um, it's a workplace and workplaces can stay open. That's if, true. If, and I imagine if it's, um, yeah, I mean, they, they can form their sort of bubble, can't they, I suppose? Yeah. And, and I don't know if you've seen any like American um, TV dramas that that, uh, that are being made during the pandemic, but they're, they're, they're doing a pretty good job at making it look like it did before. But, but there's certain things where you can sort of, you know, they use certain camera angles to make it look like two actors are stood closer together than they actually are. Right. Or, um, or, or, or there's been, I was watching one of these NCIS programs the other day that was only shot a month or two ago. And, and it seems that when they do like action scenes, they can do shootouts and things because people are normally stood quite far apart in shootouts. Mm. But when it comes to physical, you know, fights, they they mm. have to be more... Um, inventive with how they do them sometimes so that, that suddenly there was a scene where you could tell that in days gone by a, a, a character would have rugby tackled another into a swimming pool which was which was conveniently located but instead he threw a bin at the person and the bin knocked them into the swimming pool oh, right and uh and yeah but the other thing is you embrace it don't you i mean this is us is a program that i watch on prime and um you know that's very much written into the story um, one character I think went to visit another character and uh, they, they made reference to the fact that he'd quor- they'd quarantined for two weeks before they went and visited this other person um, and they wear masks a lot and all that sort of stuff um, but I suppose in an action show you don't really want to be thinking about real life do you? You need to well, well, interestingly, need escapism yeah, one of those um, things, I was watching this NCIS New Orleans the other week, and in that, it's all about COVID and restrictions and masks, and, the, and it's woven into the storyline, it's in the script everywhere, you know, and people putting their masks on before they go out, put, taking them back off again, and, and talking about how they've just taken a test and they're clear so they can go in and interview somebody and, and all this sort of stuff, and, and I'm sort of thinking... I'm a bit fed up of it now because you get that in the real world at the minute. I want a bit. Well, I watch these things for escapism. Yeah, I think that's that. that that's certainly a, a, a bit of an issue, isn't it? It's, it realism is okay, um, but escapism is quite nice. So that was News of the World, uh, which is out on Netflix on uh, Wednesday, the 10th of February. When we're back, we'll look at Simon's choice of films on Free to Air TV for the forthcoming week. Hi, I'm Matt Adams, the heart of the Hearts Advertiser for over 10 years. Join me and host Danny Smith for St Albans Podcast, a weekly look at the news, views and reviews of the city and district of St Albans. As well as our delve into the local stories that matter, we regularly cover topics including health, food and drink, legal matters, the theatre scene and mental health. Alongside our regular features, we talk to people from our wonderful community, sharing some of the amazing work they do. Episodes are released every Wednesday at 7pm and you can find us by going to your podcast platform of choice and searching for the St Albans Podcast. Find out more at stalbanspodcast.com. So we're into the second part now of this week's uh, film guide and uh, this is where we look at Simon's choice of films on free to air TV for the forthcoming week and um, I throw in some of mine as well just you know because you can and uh, we start off with Friday the 5th of February and Simon has chosen 11.20pm on BBC2 Nightcrawler 
Now, this sounds like a superhero thing, but it's not, is it? it it's not at all, no. It's a rather strange film. It, it sort of perhaps goes in not in the same not in the direction you think it might be going uh, in fact I, I, I'm saying that just before I start reading my notes which says on the surface director mm. Dan Gilroy's feature debut as a state of the nation address that uses California with its lurid early morning news reports covering car crashes homicides and shootouts as the rest of the USA in microcosm however however at its heart this dark and entertaining neo-noir is a fascinating character study with a dramatically skinny Jake Gyllenhaal as its anti-hero, the smart, calculating and possibly sociopathic Louis Bloom. Uh, he's a loner searching for work and he sees his chance when he spots a freelance news crew combing the streets of LA, investing in a camera. He starts his own career as a video journalist, selling his wares to Nina, played by Rennie Russo, um, manager of a local TV station. And as his media empire takes off, his ethics quickly fall by the wayside and it begins to reveal uh, the film begins to reveal itself as a modern morality tale it's um it's quite a dark film it's it's sort of funny in its own way um and uh yeah it i mean i think Rene russo is very good because she she is sort of she starts off perhaps having the whip hand but then um later perhaps doesn't yeah, Reese yeah, Ahmed, Ahmed's in this as well, um, uh, from Spooks and uh, Homeland, and also something I've just started watching called Code Black, which is on uh, Prime, I think. One of these sort of ER type programs. Okay. Anyway, yeah. they all seem to yeah. have an English doctor in these American um, program, hospital programs. I don't know why. Perhaps there are loads of English doctors over there. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? <laughs> but, uh, but okay, well, that's the film um, Nightcrawler, which yeah, great part. I mean, Jake Gyllenhaal's really good in this, uh, but 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 you know, he he's a very uh, compelling, charismatic actor. Uh, Rennie Russo, though, great to see her in a part because um, it, you know she, she's somebody that we don't see so often on the big screen anymore. Um, the only other films I can think of she's done in recent years are the Thor films, where she plays mm. Thor's mother. Thor's mum. Yeah. What a, tra- um, what a tragedy that is. That she's now become someone's mum. <laughs> That's what happens, though, isn't it? You know, sadly, you know they they, they say that, that you know the, the, the Hollywood the, the the parts for older ladies just dry up, and there, there's mm. nothing. You know, it's it's just part of the the, the, the patriarchy that that needs yeah. to be smashed. Um, but yeah, good to see as well that uh, Rennie Russo got nominated. She got a BAFTA nomination for Best Supporting Actress for that role, uh, and Jake uh, Gyllenhaal got nominated for Best Actor in the BAFTAs. Um, it, it, not not much nom- not much recognition in the Oscars for it, but it did get a few BAFTA nominations. Uh, so uh, yeah, that's Nightcrawler, 11:20 p.m. on BBC Two on Friday the 5th of uh, Friday the 5th of February. And also on Friday, uh, 11.35pm on BBC One, um, we have uh, just one channel over. We have Shakespeare in Love. The Elizabethan dramatist suffers from writer's block while working on his new play. And to make matters worse, creditors are about to close down the theatre. But when a noble woman disguises herself as a man to fulfil her dream of appearing on stage, the bard becomes enchanted by her and is inspired to pen the most famous love story of all time. A comedy with Joseph Fiennes, Gwyneth Paltrow, Judi Dench, Ben Affleck, Jeffrey Rush, Martin Clunes and Tom Wilkinson. And uh, 
it's just it's just a, a, a charming delightful and funny film and and it, it's I think there's lots in there for those who are fans of the Bard, but equally, you don't really need to know much about him to be able to enjoy the film. No, I, I, I think it's a very good, uh, a very funny film. Um, one of my favourite bits is with Mark Williams from the Far Show, and Far, I think he's Father Brown, isn't he, on the telly? Um, yes. There's a bit where he's in this sort of um, river taxi thing. And, and he says, you know, the classic sort of, oh, you should have seen it out in my cab the other day, you know. Um, and I just, yeah, quite funny. Yeah. I mean, it's very it, and it far did, show-esque. It did ever so well at the Oscars. It won seven of them. Uh, it, you know, this really was a, 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 a very well-received uh, film. Best Picture it won. Best Actress for Gwyneth Paltrow. Best Supporting Actress for Judi Dench, who, from what I remember, was barely in it. Was she just in one bit at the end? Yeah, she wasn't in it very much. It was very no, much she, um, a sort of cameo role, wasn't it? Yeah, played Queen uh, Elizabeth at the end. And I, I don't think yeah. she had much screen time at all, and she won an Oscar for it. Uh, it won uh, Best best Screenplay uh, for uh, Tom Stoppard. It, it, it won Best Music as well. Yeah, it did ever so well, and it had loads of nominations as well. Jeffrey Rush, I remember being particularly good in this. He got a, a supporting Oscar nomination for it. Um but that's uh, that's Shakespeare in love, and of course Shakespeare stuff is forever. Um, the, the joke being about it's it's gender um, swapping, isn't it? And and you know you've always often got got um, female characters who are playing male characters as part of the intrigue in in, in a particular yeah. plot. And and what was what was also funny at that time was that those female parts would be played by boys, so it was boys dressing as girls pretending to be boys. And then, and then this film has rather ingeniously added a layer to that because it's yeah. actually a, a, a female pretending to be a young boy playing a female pretending to be a young boy, and and it's yeah, incredibly confusing. It, well, yes, yes, it is, um, and it has all the nice sort of touches about the arguments with Marlowe and Webster, um, who were other playwrights at the time. Um, yeah. Burbage, yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, I hadn't noticed um, it was on actually. I'm, I, I, it, I, it was quite good that I did choose the Night Stalker because um, Nightcrawler, Nightcrawler, yeah, whatever. Um, so um, we've we've got a, 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 a contrasting films there, but um, yeah, good film. Yeah, well, I feel there's a fairly good chance you might end up watching my film on Friday night for what you just said there. I might, yes. But anyway, that's Shakespeare in Love, 11.35pm on, on Friday the 5th of February on BBC One. Then we move to Saturday, uh, Saturday afternoon, and uh, sticking with BBC Two, it seems so far, Simon. Mm. Um, don't, have you ever done a week where you've chosen all the films from the same channel? Not quite. I don't quite. know if you've ever done a no. whole week. No, we've, you, we've, we've used a lot of the Sony channels quite a lot, and, uh, and, and Film 4 in the past, but I, I don't think we've ever sort of just chosen all the films from one channel I mean we could try that one week Shall you get some duff ones I suppose yeah and, and occasionally a channel that's one of the main channels may not have a film on that day no um, well if you went to film four you'd be alright because they tend to stick with films really yeah thank you uh, yeah anyway Simon has chosen on BBC Two uh, 2.30pm Saturday afternoon romp uh, on Saturday the 6th of February the film you've chosen is the original Ivanhoe from 1952 I say the original because uh, a remake from uh, a few years ago is also on TV quite a lot this week 
this coming week, which I noticed in the listings. Oh, I didn't notice that one. No, this is the the, the sort of one of the great MGN, MGM films, uh, a Technicolor swashbuckler. Um, the story is written by the, the famous Scots author, Sir Walter Scott. Um, he was Scott by name and by nature. Scott by name, Scott by nature, indeed. And uh, it, so it's not a it's not a true story, but it's set in you know a, a historical period, and you've got Prince John there as as, as well to to give it a bit of context. Uh, Robert Taylor plays Sir Wilfred of Ivanhoe. Elizabeth Taylor plays Rebecca, and Emlyn Williams is there as well. Uh, George Sanders is one of the villains. He's always a good villain, George Sanders. And it's set in 1190. And interestingly, for its time, uh, it it actually addresses anti-Semitism, which not many films would have done at that time. And uh, so it's quite interesting, that point of view. But it's a, it's a great sort of great romp. I think it's one of it? Roger Moore's first roles was Ivanhoe. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I was yeah I was going to come on to that. So he played Ivanhoe on TV not long after. I would have said it was either if it wasn't late fifties, it was very early sixties. Uh, nineteen fifty-eight. Yeah, there you go. So he yeah he played him, and you mentioned George Sanders there, who also played the Saint, which Roger Moore then went on to play after playing oh. Ivanhoe. See, it's it all connects. All connects. It? Yeah, yeah. Um, and also Ivanhoe in some ways wasn't that sort of influenced by or, or influenced the, some of the tales of Robin Hood because aren't they kind of there's similarities aren't there similar setting yeah and yeah but uh, but yeah it's uh, I mean this this write up you know kind of proclaims this as being a, one of the finest films of its era I, I, I hadn't realised it was that that well loved no no because Ivanhoe tends to be slightly a second-rate sort of Robin Hood type of thing, isn't it? I mean, Robin Hood is the, I think, is the primary story of that time. Uh, although, of course, Robin Hood is not a, a, a story that was written down. It's not sort of literature, is it? it, it it's uh, it's one of those stories that have been passed down. Yeah, I'm saying that, that I, I, there probably was a there probably was an early written version. I don't know. I shall look that up afterwards. I've got a feeling that there were various folk songs and things like that that made mention of Robin Hood and Merry Men and, and yeah beyond that I think it's just it's just a classic old talk story that's been passed mm. down through the through the years but uh, but yeah Ivanhoe uh, is uh, from 1952 is on uh, BBC Two 2:30 p.m. on Saturday the 6th of February and uh, we then move on to another period piece but from a very different period in history uh, we, we move to a film set in the 1950s and uh, at 11.50am on 5 Star and it surprises me because I thought this film was a little bit more adult in its nature but it's the film Stand By Me uh, four 12 year old best friends embark on a life changing adventure in the Oregon wilderness in search of a missing teenager's body unaware of the trials and triumphs that await them Rob Reiner's 1950s set coming-of-age drama based on a novella by Stephen King starring River Phoenix, Will Wheaton, Jerry O'Connell, Corey Feldman, Keitha Sutherland and Richard Dreyfuss. And, yeah, you know, what a, you know the, the four young stars in this were, were really great. You know, this was such a, a, a captivating film and, 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 you know, very nostalgic, you know, great use of the 50s setting and, and, and other other really good performances in there as well 
um, and, and you know, easy to forget that this was this was a Stephen King. But this isn't Stephen King of of, of like for the you know of the horror um, side of Stephen King's work. This is more like Stephen King, who also did the Shawshank Redemption, yeah. the Green Mile. It, mm. it seems to be it's that that part of his work. Um, but I am I'm I'm certain when this film came out, it was a 15 certificate, and it's on at 11:50 in the morning. Um, by the same schedulers who sometimes then put a, like, a Disney cartoon on at like nine at night. I oh, know it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, uh, maybe maybe it was at, at, had that certificate for language, which I guess might have been edited out, and therefore makes it uh, more suitable for that yeah, time of day. Maybe. But anyway, stand by me. Eleven uh, fifty a.m. on uh, Saturday, the sixth of February. On uh, that one's on five star. So then let's move to Sunday, the seventh of february and um yeah you've you've chosen a film which i'm guessing is partly being shown again at the moment because there's a new one of these films yeah. that's currently out there is but, but you've gone with the original uh, mm-hmm. bill and ted's excellent adventure 4 55 p.m on sony movies yeah starring uh keanu reeves and alex winter um the, the they play these two sort of airheads uh, who are tasked with writing a, a history project but you know it's clearly totally beyond them um, because they're they're um, they're dullards and you know they just waste their time skating and all that sort of stuff that young people do as far as I can understand um, and but the way they they manage to write about it is they go back in time and actually meet the people and it's just it's a great jolly romp really um, it's a silly funny film but um yeah it's good it's good i i yeah yes yeah, so which is you know with a pathetic bit of criticism saying it's good but uh yeah it's just a a, a jolly a jolly romp but, but it's it don't take it too seriously no but it's funny and it's wholesome and you know it's played lovingly you know a couple of years later very shortly after this film um, you had Wayne's World which was a parody and a spoof where you had two nearing middle aged men playing two slackers mm. uh, whereas with this you actually had people of the right age playing playing those parts um, and and yeah, you know, Wayne's World is an excellent film, very funny film, but but is 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 uh, the part of the joke really is that these these two guys are not teenagers; they're in their thirties and they're wearing wigs. Um, whereas with this, they were they seemed a bit more age appropriate, and and it was, you know, they played it straight, but it was it was entertaining and it was it was, um, you know, funny, and I guess it's got the time travel element, which which would make it appealing to you. That's right. That's right. Indeed. Yes, it's uh, I like a bit of time travel, as we know. Um, although, yes, it, it's it, it's not time travel like uh, sort of Back to the Future type time travel or um, uh, the Terminator time travel type things. It's just for it's just for fun, um, and it's it's yeah. jolly. Yeah, I mean, the, the Keanu Reeves uh, was uh, 24 at the time. You know, he, he was he was a young. He was a young man when he made this. I uh, don't know how old um, Mike Myers was when he uh, did Wayne's World, but uh, you always got the impression that really that that, that you know, Keanu Reeves felt like. I mean, I don't know what age. You, I, suppose, I guess they were supposed to be what, like high school, so probably what five or six years younger than he was playing. Yeah. maybe a bit more than that. Um, but but you felt that he was playing it sincerely, as opposed to the 
you know, Mike Myers and Dana Dana Carvey, I think, was Wayne and mm. Garth, mm. who, who, you know, it was a, it was all a bit of a, you know, it was all a little bit of a joke. Um, but but worked for that film. I don't. I'm not trying to take away from Wayne's World, a great movie as well. But but uh, but yeah, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, the first of three. They did Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey a, a year or two later, mm. and then last year they they did the third one, Bill and Ted Face the Music, which um, has yet to come out, isn't it? It's out. I think it's out on premium streaming services. I think you Is can it? pay to watch it on Amazon Prime. Okay. But we'll mention it when it comes out available. You know, yeah. on the on the basic um, streaming service. Yeah, it's it's not there yet. But yeah, um, yeah. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey came out a year later, so they followed it up fairly quickly after the first one. Uh, but that's uh, Sunday the seventh of February, four fifty-five p.m. on Sony Movies. Sunday evening, uh, seven twenty-five p.m. over on ITV Two. I've gone for uh, the most recent Jurassic Park film, Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. And this is set three years after the destruction of Jurassic World. Uh, Owen Grady and Claire Deering are asked to return to the theme park to save its resident dinosaurs from the island's active volcano. During their mission, they uncover a conspiracy that may affect the entire planet. Uh, action sequel starring Chris Pratt, Bryce Dallas Howard, Rafe Spall and Toby Jones. And um, yeah, it's it's... It's very fast-paced, big action. You know, seeing these dinosaurs is very impressive. It does make you wonder, you know, why haven't they learnt yet? Because this is now the fifth Jurassic Park movie. And and surely they've learnt by now. You don't really want to mess with the dinosaurs. You don't want to mess with DNA. And, you know, bringing yeah. them back is not a good idea. No, it's, it's, a dangerous, it's a dangerous game to play, isn't it? Is, is this the one where... A, a big shark jumps out of the water and then a bigger one jumps out... I think that was the previous one wasn't it where they had this huge shark being dangled over a big pool while there was a huge audience watching and then this massive crocodile type thing leaps up out of the water and almost eats the thing whole and all the audience roar and cheer and applause and stuff and that was the first remake was it or the first sort of reboot yes yes I believe the, it was this is, there've just been two reboots uh, well, so, so that, that was Jurassic World, and then this was the follow-up to that one, uh, and then there is another one coming out. Well, I think it's, it's one of these films that's waiting to be released with, with the original cast and the new cast. So it's got yeah, Jeff right. Goldblum and Sam Neill, and I forget the the lady who's in its name now, but um, Laura Dern. It's got those okay. three in it, as as well as um, Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard. Right. So Chris Pratt and Di- Bryce. Dallas Howard they've made two with another yes. one just about to come out yeah okay yeah I've seen the and first originally, those two mm. okay yeah um, yes because because in that one the theme park is actually already a thing it's already operating people come to it and I think part of the story of that is that they, they decide to genetically mutate new dinosaurs because people aren't so excited anymore by seeing old dinosaurs so they want to create new ones and mm. by doing that they sort of meddle in more with science and yeah it all goes a bit wrong but yeah well they never but learn the, but the see you you might have also described you have you seen the film the meg that came out about two uh, years ago with jason statham yeah that's on one of the streaming services um yes, i it's thought on when there was absolutely Prime. nothing else on i thought i might watch it uh, it really is silly. Uh, as much as a fan, I, I know you are of Jason Statham. You really want to check see if there's anything else on first. Mm. Um, 
but but the, the effects are great and that's about a prehistoric shark mm. that is um, yeah that it turns out it's still alive and then there's a scene in that and it's in the trailer so it's no spoiler but when they finally get this 50 foot shark onto the onto the boat mm. a bigger shark leaps out of the water and eats it and they suddenly then realise there's two of them that they've got to contend with um, yeah, because there are some very old sharks apparently sharks do live a long time there are there are 400 year old sharks they reckon up, wow up in the in the in the arctic area okay hmm. well, there you go um but that's, and yeah, still, that's a, a bit different from millions of years old yeah well yeah quite but apparently the, these ones live it's jason statham explained all the science so it all made sense right. they all lived underneath yeah. the whatever the the layer is at the bottom of the ocean there's a sub layer and they were under there and then because he took a submarine under that layer they created a hole and mm. these two megalodons got out through the hole as they came back out mm. which I'm sure is all pl- plausible yeah um, and yeah yeah Jason Statham he can move on to doing uh, Open University I would have said at the end of uh, Almost you know, at the end of his film career he yeah. was a diver as well wasn't he yeah, yeah, an, an Olympic diver, and uh, was he? Well, I say Olympic. He, he represented Britain. I don't think he got anywhere near the, the podium. I, I don't think he did very well, but he well, did he well fell enough off going to up the steps. Us. You mean? <laughs> he slipped. He had a veruca. Yeah. <laughs> no, he uh, well, he did well enough to represent Britain, but I don't think he did well enough to to in any way qualify beyond that. Um, but yes, he was a he was a a, a diver. Yeah. Anyway, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom without Jason Statham is 7.25pm mm. on ITV2, Sunday the 7th of February. We move to Monday the 8th of February and 9pm on Sony Movies, a film now that I cannot see the poster anymore for seeing your face and Mrs Carver's face. I know. Um, it's extraordinary. Yes, people Actually, we, we know. Were, I told you, there was a situation where um, we were babysitting this is some years ago now I hasten to add we were babysitting for a couple and when we turned up at the house uh, one of the kids was quite scared when he saw us because he thought we looked like the the couple in um, I think it was Beethoven Uh, there, there was a sort of an evil couple in Beethoven probably wanted to buy the dog or kidnap the dog or something um, and the, I can't remember who played the woman but the man was David Duchovny um, and there was a st- there was quite a resemblance I have to say um, yeah, you often get confused for him don't you yeah it's, you know it's one of these burdens one has to bear um, but yes this is Pretty Woman that we're, we're, we're talking about yeah, and, and I'm, I'm referring to a poster I've seen, which somebody yes. that we know, hello, Tim and Katie, they, they mm. doctored it to put your face and your, your wife's face uh, on the on their, is it on the bodies of, of the, the two actors. Yes. and you Which know. in turn, I don't know if you know this, but that it isn't Richard Gere and Julia Roberts in the poster. That It was two models, and they, they put their faces on them later. Oh, okay. But, so it was, it was quite well known at the time that they didn't pose for that photo that was then used where they're leaning sort of back to back against yeah. one another um, but anyway yeah and, mm. and it, it was it was no more Julia Roberts and Richard Gere than it was Mr and Mrs Carver very odd yeah anyway oh, I tell t- you who, those the who woman, don't know I didn't realise who the woman was sorry I'm going back to, to Beethoven now oh yeah um, yeah 
the woman was Patricia Heaton. Do you know who she is? Uh, no. She's Raymond's wife in Everybody Loves Raymond. Okay. Who I think is quite an attractive woman. So that sort of fits with, you know... Yeah, do, do not say that as a surprise when somebody thought that your wife looked like her. No, well, I'm just thinking that the fact that, obviously, I think my wife's an attractive-looking look- woman, and so there's there's a sort of... S- a bit of synergy going on here. Um, yeah. Anyway, I suppose perhaps we ought to move on, really. Well, or at least talk about the film in question. So, Pretty yeah. Woman, those who haven't seen it. Yeah, it's Pretty Woman. It's actually quite a, quite a seedy sort of story. Um, and I just wonder whether it would be made now. Because Richard Gere plays this very wealthy businessman who uh, decides to buy a prostitute for the night. And what a jolly romantic romp that this turns out to be. Um, Richard Gere plays uh, the man, and Julia Roberts, who was only 23 at the time, plays the woman. Uh, and th- they have wonderful chemistry, although I have to say, I think Richard Gere's slightly wooden. Um, but there you go. Gary Marshall directs. And one of my favourite actors, it has a, a, a nice role in it, Hector Elizondo. Um, He's a who I didn't realise joined them when they um, reunited on screen for Runaway Bride. I didn't realise he was in that as well. Oh right. Oh, and okay. Clearly, you didn't either. No, I did. Um, no, because they. To be yeah, honest, so they I'm not sure I've ever seen Runaway Bride. I'm not sure I have, and I'm not sure it's. You know, clearly it was perhaps mm. done to cash in on the success of Pretty Woman and, and reuniting the stars. But yeah, he was in that as well. Um, they did a. I think they did a Pretty Woman sort of 25 years later reunion with them all uh, I mean not to okay. I don't know what it was in aid of but it was just sort of a get, got, got them together in a room and sort of talked to them type of thing um, right but anyway yeah great film nice music um, uh, I, I got a feeling it's slightly based on La Traviata the opera um, just to avoid any confusion um, and, and some of the opera music in it is very good and I think they go to the opera as well of course in, in the film but the final scene uh, is just beautiful uh, with lovely operatic music and it's just great yeah okay I mean certainly that is the um, uh, uh, that that is the opera that features in the film they yeah. go to see it at one point yeah it is that one i was just trying to look up to see if it is in any way and and uh, it does say here that um la traviata's story is about a glamorous parisian co- courtesan yeah. courtesan is that how you say yeah yeah courtesan. Um, yeah and and so i guess that there are similarities between the two there there, there um, are certain similarities between this film also it stars richard Gere and an officer and a gentleman as well in the sense that you've got the, uh, the the sort of the actually Richard Gere an officer and gentleman is, is not a posh boy but he, he's f- sort of from one side of the tracks and the and the woman is from the other side of the tracks De- Deborah Winger um, yes yeah yeah um, so there is a, there's a sort of similarity there but anyway great but film. Pretty Woman for those who've not seen it it is a it is a rom-com it is a comedy despite what sounds like quite um, shady and dubious, uh, dubious plot it, it, mm. it sort of the, the, to describe the plot doesn't really do the film justice does it because no. it, you know Richard Gere is seen more as the, ro- the the romantic lead and not like a, a seedy businessman exploiting women in the sex trade 
which is in essence what he is. But anyway, that's um, that's Pretty Woman, 9pm on Sony Movies. Uh, I have gone uh, for a very different film indeed from 1967 on uh, Monday the 8th of February, 8pm over on Talking Pictures TV, The Deadly Affair. A Secret Service agent investigates the activities of a British Foreign Office official suspected of being a communist and soon finds himself mired in intrigue and deceit. Sidney Lumet's espionage drama starring James Mason, Maximilian Schell and Simone Signore. I think that's how it's said. Signore. Signore. Okay, thank you. Are you familiar with this film? No. Well, so this film is, it's a good film. It's a good um, 1960s espionage drama, Mm -hmm. um, of which there were a few that were done very much sort of in contrast to the Bond films, which were so big at the time. Um, And and, and there were, you know, you had the Harry Palmer ones, which were very much sort of the opposite end of of what the spy was like. Mm. Yeah. Now, so this this had the, um, this was actually based on a book by John le Carré, uh, and um, in this film, James Mason plays a character called Dobbs, who in the book was called Smiley. Ooh. This was this was the first George Smiley um, mm-hmm. story that was... A, um, it wasn't the first film, and the reason why they had to change the character's name is because two years before, there was the spy who came in from the cold with Richard Burton playing George Smiley. No, he didn't, did he? He didn't play Smiley, but Smiley was in that film, wasn't he? Yes, Richard Burton wasn't came. Smiley, was he? No, no, but Smiley was in it, and because of that, another film studio owned the rights to the name of George Smiley. Oh, right. So for this film, that when they bought the rights, they had to change the character's name. But right. other than that, mm-hmm. it is a fairly faithful adaptation, and the character is Smiley, and he's mm-hmm. got all the characteristics of George Smiley. Um, and uh, so, something I've noticed in, in 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 what I have seen of of things that feature George Smiley it seems his, his wife is forever having an affair and leaving him or he's left her and and that's part of the story of this one as well right because well, I imagine it's his, of... it's his wife leaving him isn't it because isn't he supposed to be sort of always in the office and terribly boring yes uh, and, and and I think yes I think that's in this one certainly there's the his wife he's, he, he believes his wife is having an affair and um, he, he's looking into that and then it, in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy that's part of the story as well isn't it that, that she's and I think these are other affairs because it's different mm. different people um, but uh, but anyway yes if, so if you if you've enjoyed uh, anything else that is features George Smiley then this is worth a watch uh, even though he's not called George Smiley but it is George Smiley but they, they, he's just called Dobbs uh, I can't remember the, the character's first name now I've lost it on here but um, but yeah, the book it was based on was called Call for the Dead, but they they did change it to The Deadly Affair, um, and uh, yeah, Charles Dobbs was the name instead of George Smiley. Uh, but anyway, uh, that's um, Monday the eighth of February, eight pm on Talking Pictures TV. So we move to Tuesday the 9th of February, nine pm on four seven. Now, is this a film that you and I went to see together? You always say to me, oh, I always say that, and we've hardly ever seen films together, but I've got a feeling we went to see this one morning that you, you wanted to talk about this on another show. And it's the film in question is Instant Family. I've certainly been to see it. Have you? And you've seen it, have you? Yeah. Oh, well, perhaps it was then. Because back in the olden days, you'd sometimes would call me up and say, fancy going to the cinema tomorrow morning. Yeah. And I think this might have been one of them. Yeah. I've certainly seen it. And it well, isn't I certainly the went to see I it for, for when I was... Um in, in my other my other role um, 
yeah, it's, yeah, it's good. Um, it, 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 in my notes, it suggests that Mark Wahlberg isn't terribly good at at comedy. I, I don't think he's. I don't think he's bad at comedy. I, I think of him as being actually more, uh, more, more of a light actor than a than a sort of an action hero to be perfectly honest but anyway well yeah I mean you know Ted is a, a, an example yeah. there of yeah. I mean he does play it fairly straight in Ted but I think you've got to play it straight to be funny sometimes anywho um, basically you, what you've got here is Mark Wahlberg and Rose Byrne who is good at comedy uh, plays play a married couple um, a biological clock ticking away but they haven't got time for getting pregnant and and having children the usual way so they decide to foster um, they originally think they're going to foster one child but they end up with three Hispanic siblings uh, including a rebellious teenager uh, Lizzie played by Isabella Monet who was in uh, uh, grief Dora the Explorer Dora the Explorer that's the one yeah um, and she's she's a very she's a good actor I mean she's I don't know how old she is. Actually. She's probably about forty-five, but she, she, she I believe she was the age that she plays. I, I she? believe that. that okay. Yeah, because uh, she is. She's born in two thousand and one, so she is. She's nineteen now. This year. Yeah. So she'd have been seven, six, sixteen, seventeen when she made this. Yeah, she's good. Um, so she's sassy. She's you know she doesn't want to be there. She doesn't make it easy for them at all. Um, uh, but you know it's it's based on the the experiences of the director who was in this same sort of situation um, wanting to foster didn't they show at the end of this film during the credits interviews with the director and real people who had fostered and gone through the foster process that doesn't ring a bell with you now that doesn't sound impossible Um, but equally I have no memory of it (laughs) you've you might have been too busy putting your coat off and gathering up your sweet wrappers at the time, maybe. Possibly. But, no, I seemed, but as soon as you said the thing about it's based on the director's own experiences, I'm pretty sure that you saw the director being interviewed at the end. Or maybe it was characters from the movie because there were other other families that we saw, weren't there, in the, in the, in the movie who were also foster parents. And maybe they were talking about their... I can't remember now. But there, were, there was something about... I'm sure they had something at the end credits and and because and, it felt like in some ways and this isn't a negative but it did feel like it was a a big um advert for fostering that it was trying you know showing the the the, the benefit that the these people had from going through fostering yes i'm just looking up now uh at the end they all pose for a picture joined by their families and fellow foster families because they, they the foster families do feature in the film um, other foster families, don't they? And uh, I can't remember. I can't, actually, the way it reads, it's not entirely clear whether it's joined by real people or. Well, so I've put it on here where it says photos of real life foster families are seen throughout the end credits. So maybe it was photos with captions or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's. Um, I mean, it it sounds cheesy, but it's it's a heartwarming film. And uh, it's nice performances. I thought, yeah, I thought it was done really well. It's funny, I wouldn't have, thinking back, I wouldn't have described it as a comedy. But but it, there were some really funny moments. Mm. But but it did seem it was quite poignant. There was a good bit of 
family drama and and the way that they were dealing with issues that one would imagine are real issues that people fostering would face um you know it, it was it was quite it was quite endearing and it was quite touching and and yeah <laughs> very good i would have said so that was um, Mark Wahlberg and um, and Rose Byrne as well, and her small ears did not in any way. They didn't impede her her, being a, her acting at all in this. No, and and she she made a, a very plausible um, you know foster mum with small ears. She played it really well. Mm. So uh, there, that's instant family, <coughs> which is uh, nine pm on four seven on Tuesday the 9th of February. Uh, Tuesday the 9th of February at eleven pm over on Channel Five. I have gone for. Uh, a remake which is one of the ones that's often cited as being um, an example of where a remake is better than the original now you might think this is controversial but I'm going to stand by this it's the Thomas Crown Affair from 1999 second appearance for the week for René Russo Mm -hmm. so and uh, now I'm, I'm saying I'm standing by this I also need to say I've not seen the original but I've read lots of reviews of this saying how this is arguably better than the original and, and giving giving quite detailed reasons for how they updated the story that made it better. Because isn't in the original, Steve McQueen is a millionaire who's bored who decides to rob a bank? And he's planning a bank heist? I, I don't know. I just remember they use a bit of split-screen stuff, which at the time, of course, is quite... Because um, this is 60s, the original? The original one was yeah, was mid, mid to late 60s. Yeah, so... I mean, I do like that period. I mean, we've had a couple of those recently, The Graduate and The Swimmer. Um, mm. And, uh, yeah, I think I think that's an, an interesting period. I think it's, it's an interesting look. So I think I would probably have gone for that, gone for the original. But, yeah, I, 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 don't think I've ever, was the I don't think I've ever sat through either of them, to be perfectly honest. Oh, right, OK. Well... Okay, but but yes. Yeah, so one of one of the things where they've updated it for, for this version of the Thomas Crown Affair is that it's an art heist that he plans, mm. which just seems more fitting with the character that that it would be something as white collar as as an art heist as opposed to a you know bank robbery, um, which which sounds like it's you know more prone to having to shoot people. But um, but yeah, uh, Piers Brosnan and Rene Russo star in the in the parts that originally were. Um, Steve McQueen and Faye Dunaway although Faye Dunaway is in this uh, she she plays the psychiatrist so she has a small part in mm-hmm. this but, but she she's in there um, but it's 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 great it's so well directed it's incredibly slick and and also uh, Pierce Brosnan's probably I would say at the top of his game in this you know and, and he he just looks the part you know that, that, that he's so he's so smooth and debonair and charming and and Rene Russo playing the insurance investigator I think it is who, who's trying to prove that he did that the the heist and trying mm. to track him down and the, the cat and mouse thing and the the, the the love affair that ensues it it is so well done um and it's directed by John McTiernan, who's not necessarily known for his soft touch because he directed Predator and Die Hard. Yeah, because hey, the Hunter Die, Die Hard is the one that I would think of with regard to him. Yeah, mm. but uh, but yes, um, it's uh, so it says here that the, the story um, a uh, a thrill-seeking billionaire develops a taste for cat burglary and lifts a priceless Monet from a New York gallery in broad daylight. However, he later meets his match in a cunning female insurance investigator and the pair embark on a whirlwind romance, but their conflicting careers threaten their relationship. 
and uh, yeah Piers Brosnan Rennie Russo uh, Faye Dunaway uh, Ben Gazzara and Dennis Leary um, and, and yeah if you've not seen it it, it really is well worth watching I, I, I think you would you would thoroughly enjoy it and knowing that you are a fan of Rene Russo mm. this, this is you, you, you need to add this film to your to your collection okay and that's uh, 11pm on Tuesday the 9th of February over on Channel 5 so let's move to Wednesday the 10th of February and Simon has chosen on film 4 11.10pm Journeyman yeah now I, I confess that I've not seen this but it uh, it has a good cast and it has uh, good reviews. Paddy Considine, who uh, was got plenty of plaudits for Tyrannosaur, plays a, a, a boxer who is a, the journeyman of the title. He suffers a catastrophic head injury during a, a retirement title fight, and his wife, played by uh, Doctor Who, Jodie Whittaker, starts rebuilding their shattered lives but his condition makes him prone to erratic and violent eruptions and so Emma that's the wife's name is forced to make a heartbreaking choice protect herself and their baby daughter or stay to help the man she loves Um, and uh, it's a a, journeyman is further buoyed by a superb ensemble cast who makes this triumph over adversity tale a harrowing study in both conflict and the power of redemptive friendship but it's the two remarkable main leads who shine punching over the profound intensity of their downward spiralling situation with such believability and compassion it brings tears to the eyes that's a pretty impressive review isn't it yeah yeah um i I saw another film of that paddy considine made he might have been he might have just been the star of this one um and I cannot now think of the name of it at all. So this is going to make for a good good recommendation. But he is a very good actor, and this was um, this was sort of quite a low budget British film, and it's very gritty. and And he was so compelling as this character who'd come back from serving in Afghanistan or somewhere like that. And yeah, he, he, you know, he's really really good. And it's sort of weird how he's not really done that many big movies. But but, but he, he he does seem to have earned himself a very solid reputation in in the sort of films that he makes. Yeah, uh, well, uh, you know, I agree. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. I yeah, mean, I, he's, I he, he's not flashy. I, I mean, he no. He plays downbeat very very well. Yeah. Um, I mean, he has done a couple of bigger films. Um, you know, he was in one of the Bourne films. But uh, but yeah, uh, Dead Man's Shoes is the film that I was thinking of okay. that he did. Uh, which uh, was, yeah, very, very. I thought it was very good. It was made by Shane Meadows. Who is that? The guy behind this is England. This is England. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Paddy Considine wrote it with Shane Meadows. In fact, that particular film. So he clearly is a, a man of talent. Uh, but that's uh, that's the film Journeyman on eleven ten p.m. on Film Four on Wednesday, the uh, s- Wednesday the tenth of February. Also on Wednesday the 10th of February, 9pm, um, it, it, it's, it's, it's alright, it's not that good, that's already a good start isn't it? I've chosen the film Inferno, which was the third big screen outing for Robert Langdon, the star of The Da Vinci Code. And so once again, um, Ron Howard directs and Tom Hanks stars, and it's it's okay, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of Tom Hanks running around Europe 
and um, trying to solve something you know before it has ca- catastrophic consequences which is basically the same ground that the Da Vinci Code and um, Angels and Demons search, uh, trod before it so, so in a way it's not that original this time he's got Felicity Jones uh, alongside him and, and she's very she's very good in, in, in most things I've ever seen her in I can't really remember too vividly in this one so I don't know whether she was perhaps just doing it for the paycheck um, but I do remember that they did this is one of the things where they completely changed the ending from the book alright um, but I won't say more than that because I realised that to say tell you how it, they did it in one would mm. then reveal how they did yeah, it in the other yeah true but but anyway uh, following his life or death missions in the Da Vinci Code and Angels and Demons Long-suffering symbologist, oh, another one of those films. Mm. Uh, long-suffering symbologist Robert Langdon awakes with amnesia in an Italian hospital and is soon on the run with a beautiful doctor. Racing to stop a devastating virus, the symbologist suffers shocking visions as an assassin closes in. Uh, director Ron Howard's uh, conversion of the of the Dan Brown thriller starring Tom Hanks, Felicity Jones, and Irfar Khan. I think that's the gentleman's name, but um. But yeah, I mean, it's it's solidly made. It looks good, you know, to, even if it's slightly boring to see, you know, another European city with Tom Hanks running around in it and, you know, holding hands, dragging along some beautiful young woman again. And it's it's all, yeah, it has been done before, but it's it's done reasonably well. Mm. Um, but but uh, yeah, it's um, yeah, the latest adaptation. And, and if you like, if you like the Da Vinci Code names for Demons, it is the same sort of thing. But if you like that, then... You know, you probably enjoy this as well. So that's Inferno. It relates to the fact that, that this time it's all to do with Dante's Inferno. Okay. And they're trying to crack clues that are in the poem. And um, yeah, that that's why it's called Inferno this time. Anyway, um, Wednesday the 10th of February, 9pm on Five Star. We move to Thursday the 11th of February, and on Sony Movies Classic, Simon has chosen as his final film of the week, The Road to Bali, 5.10pm. Yes, this is the penultimate of the uh, road films. Stars Bing Crosby, Bob Hope and Dorothy L'Amour. And, you know, they work so beautifully together uh, by the time they get to this point. It's the only one in colour, which is slightly weird because in the uh, listings magazine, when they had a picture of it, it was in black and white, so I don't know quite what that was all about. But anyway, apparently um, this was the only one that they made in colour. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the plot for what it's worth is that um, these two blokes are on the way back from Australia and they have to hide and stuff. You know, I mean, it's just crazy, but um, it, it's it's very funny and if, I, I think that I, I think the, the the comedy in these stands up more Bob Hope than Bing Crosby I, I remember watching White Christmas at Christmas time and Bing Crosby's sort of sort of wisecracks I've, they're quite sort of dated that sort of jazz speak type of thing whereas Bob Hope Bob Hope's one liners I think are still pretty funny but um, yeah, anyway, that's uh, the road to Bali. Yeah, and and this was, as you say, it was their penultimate one, was it? it? It was, I think, it was about ten years afterwards when they did their final one. Although I'm very surprised that if they're saying that this was the only one in colour, that the one ten years later wasn't in colour. But I guess it's possible. Um, 
Yeah, it's a bit weird, isn't it, that, that one sort of... Uh, I mean, this was 52. You'd think the one in 62 would have been in colour, wouldn't you, I suppose, but... Yeah. Um, it, it, it's... Uh, yes, it, it, uh, I'm, try- I'm trying to see now. Uh, yeah, so it, so it says here it's the... Um, yeah, only only entry in the series, Rota Bali, filmed in Technicolor, uh, which is... Um, uh, yeah. Uh, but, but whether or not that they did the, the, the following one in a different type of colour than Technicolor. I don't know if that's if that's a thing or not. Mm. I'm trying to look this up now and I'm struggling to find it, but um, Road to Hong Kong. Uh, what, what? Well, it was made in Britain, the Road to Hong Kong. And um, so if it was a British-made film, it might have been a bit, didn't have as much money, so perhaps it had to be made in black and white again. <laughs> yes. Um, and and also it didn't have Dorothy Lamour in it, or it did, but only in a in a very brief cameo. Joan Collins was the 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 the, the woman in it. Um, She's got a great no, her character's got a great name in this, Princess Layla McTavish. <laughs> yeah, because in each film they didn't play the same character, no. but they kind of did, didn't they? Yeah. The, the, yeah, they were basically the same characters, yeah, they, but they they had they play a, a song and dance men in this. Um, that's unusual, isn't it? Um, yeah. they're, they're they're performing in Australia. They they're in a hurry to avoid various marriage proposals, and they end up in Darwin at the north coast of Australia, where they take jobs as deep sea divers for a prince. I mean, it's all perfectly reasonable, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all yeah, very plausible yeah. stuff. Um, but but yeah, the, did you know as well that the final road film was made at Shepperton Studios? I didn't know that. No. I can imagine. I, I assume the other ones were all made in Hollywood, but um, well, you'd think so, wouldn't you? Um, yeah. I mean, I'm sure they're not made on location. Uh, no, <laughs> I wouldn't have thought. Uh, um, quite. The, what this film is known for its um, its cameos. There are there are a, a number of cameos of of, uh, of of people in this, including um, I think Dean Martin is in it. Um, there's a couple of others as well. Who, uh, Humphrey Bogart's in it, but but only yeah, only because they show a clip of the African Queen. Jerry Lewis, yeah. Jane Russell are the other are the main ones. Yeah. Um, okay. But yeah, they, I mean, these are entertaining films. They're so old now that there'd be an awful lot of people who never would have heard of them or seen them. But but they are worth looking out for. They they are fun. I mean, this is seventy and, uh, years old. Yeah. This film. Goodness sake. Yeah. But, but yeah, Bing Crosby and Bob Hope were. They, they had this great camaraderie on screen, and Bob Hope was very, a very, very funny man. And um, yeah, they were the so. they were the hail and pace of their day, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fair to say. <laughs> well, okay, I think it's probably a good job they're both dead now. Um, but uh, but yeah, anyway, the road to Bali. Uh, Bing, uh, Bing, Bob, and Dot, as I believe they were known. Bing Crosby, Bob Hope, and Dorothy Lamour. Uh, and, and yeah this was the 6th of 7 films that they made so that's 5.10pm on Sony Movies Classic we then move to uh, my uh, final choice of the week uh, Thursday the 11th of February 11.25pm tw- over on ITV4 uh, this is the movie Payback from 1999 um, 
starring Mel Gibson, a small-time crook is betrayed and left for dead by his wife and partner in crime. Those are two people. Um, a year later, he returns seeking his share of their ill-gotten gains, but his former friend has gone up in the underworld and getting his due means taking on a powerful crime syndicate. Uh, this is a remake of a 1960s film called uh, Point Blank, which had in it Lee Marvin. And um, this uh, yeah, stars uh, Mel Gibson, Chris Christopherson, Greg Henry, Maria Bello, James Coburn and Lucy Liu. It, it's got quite an impressive cast mm-hmm. in there. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's also quite, quite synonymous. I don't know if synonymous is the right word. It's, it's, it's known as well, uh, this film, because there are two versions of this film that are around. And they are incredibly different from one another. The, there's a director's cut, which has a completely different um, ending and different characters. And Chris Christopherson, who plays the, the top, the head crime um, figure, mm. isn't even in the director's cut. Oh, it's right. um, the actress Sally Kellerman plays the head of the crime thing. Oh. That, that, that completely changed, Weird, it changed the tone of it, the look of it. Cause, so, so this is the original film because it's got Chris Christopherson in the cast. And one of the things they did is that they, they filmed it with a blue tint and, and they filmed it in a way it really looks like a 70s heist movie. Mm. It, it has this very evocative and it's set modern day, but there's hardly anything in, in, in any of the scenes that you see that would tell you so. I think there's one point where there's a mobile phone somewhere, but most of the time if he's using a phone, it's an old rotary dial mm telephone it's he drives a 70s car it's you know the clothing everything about it looks very 70s and 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 it it has this great style um but also it's the sort of film where there's no good guys everybody in it is a bad guy mel gibson's character is a bad guy but he's the nicest bad guy because he's got a moral code and you know they stole sixty-seven thousand dollars from him, and that's what he wants back. Mm. And at one point, the the head of the crime syndicate offers him millions, and, and he goes, "No, I just want sixty-seven thousand dollars. That's what I'm owed." And uh, and yeah, it, it's it's a good film. Um, James Coburn is great in it as well. Uh, in, in what I'm guessing is possibly one of his final roles, but he he's very good, and um, he plays uh, somebody that's quite high up in the chain on in this crime syndicate. Uh, and and at one point, there's a, there's a very funny scene where he's just come back from a holiday, and his two his two henchmen are carrying his uh, suitcases. They've each got two suitcases in their hands, and then Mel Gibson turns up with a gun, and he makes the the henchmen hold their arms out either side of them, holding these suitcases, and says, "Just stay there." And you can see these guys, and the sweat's pouring down their face after a while of the weight of these suitcases, and then. He eventually shoots a suitcase, and because he can't get answers out of out of the uh, out of James Coburn's character, and and James Coburn's so upset that he goes, he goes, you don't know how many suits I had in that suitcase. I can't believe you've just shot it, and that uh, he was more worried about his clothes no, than the fact that Mel Gibson was about to kill him. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, it's a very gritty. Um, like I said, it feels like a seventies action thriller of, of you know, and and and. and very well done very well directed and, and great performances in there that's um, that's the film Payback with uh, with Mel Gibson uh, if you does it ring a bell at all have you ever seen it now there are a few films like this that I that sort of slightly merge into one with Mel Gibson playing a a, a sort of a, a crook with but yeah or perhaps I'm just thinking always thinking of the same one there's this one I don't know <laughs> He's only ever done one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. He must be this bloke. one then. Yeah, 
but but yeah, I've got it. I've got it on. Um, I've got a Blu-ray of this, and if you turn the disc over, you can watch the other version of the film, and so you, you have both both uh, versions of it. But uh, but yeah, very very good. Both versions are very good, and um, but 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 incredibly different. But this is the original one. Eleven twenty-five p.m. on ITV4 Payback, and that concludes the film guide for another week. So. Uh, same question I always put to you, Simon. Which of those choices that you have made will be your film of the week? It's an easy choice uh, this week. It's uh, Pretty Woman. Right. Okay. Well, we'll put the artwork. We'll put the original artwork, not the artwork with you and your wife on it. We'll put Fair the original enough. artwork on the on the uh, the artwork of this podcast episode. And I'm going to go for the Thomas Crown Affair. Okay. I think. Um, I think. I think that's easily probably the best film that I've chosen this week. Um, and that's that's uh, my choice. Simon, you're back on Sunday with with another Dagnall Street Baptist Church virtual uh, service. Yeah. Uh, anything you can tell us? Tease us uh, ahead of Sunday. Well, it's about. Um what's uh, what's the priority um it, it's there's going to be some connections with thinking about priorities in uh, in the world at the moment you know priorities for vaccine um politicians who make have to make uh, decisions about priorities uh, if they want to get their agenda through do they have to compromise on certain things and stuff like that okay mm priorities that's uh that's sunday's uh, virtual service from simon uh and uh yeah that will be available sunday morning from 8 30 and you can subscribe to that uh there's a link to subscribe to it on our website sinormanspodcast.com and you can also find it if you just type dagnall street into your um into whatever podcast platform you use the, uh, the list of films that Simon has chosen uh, will be, uh, well, they're in the description of this episode right now, and you can also find those on our website. 